0: neighborhood, street corner, or cafe, there's a good chance we'll be there doing a podcast under normal circumstances. I'm David Cadet, and together with Mark Bovin, we're undoing the way podcasts are done. Entrepreneurship is messy, so with this podcast. Uncut conversations in real places. Today, a community builder at a time we need community like no other. Connor Curran of Local Laundry joins us on Background Noise. Carter Curran co founded Local Laundry, a community minded clothing company, five years ago with partner Dustin Paisley. But he took a very different path in getting there than you might expect. First, he had no interest in clothing, aside from wearing them. Second, he knew whatever he was going to do, it had to be focused on building community. Clothing eventually became the strongest candidate for a product idea through which to push the community-minded brand. But before we get to the interview with Connor, as usual, Undoing partner Mark Beaumont and I got together. Virtually, that is, to discuss the value of the message you're about to hear in these very, very uncertain times.
1: You know what? We should really have done this at a Walmart or a Costco. That would have yes. been some really timely background noise. That would have been. been. We're, we're isolated in different offices. The sounds of fear. Mark, we've, uh, we've discussed whether or not to have a background noise this week.
2: Yeah, I think, I think that's a good way to start it. I think contemplating, do you keep going or do you, take, you know, take a break? Do you step back? Do you keep pushing forward? And there's no easy answer. There's no right answer there's something to be said about social distancing, but then there's another thing to be said about, you know, once you are at that distance, what does that mean? I think there's going to be, I think there's gonna be some interesting things that happen with people and time to reflect and stuff. And, you know, maybe it is all about letting the stories go on, keep talking about things and things that might inspire you or hearing from somebody else and something that's familiar. But I think the irony of this, uh, this week's podcast is the idea of collaboration you know, given that it all of a sudden is everybody coming together from far away. But, you know, these guys really speak to collaboration at the heart of what they do.
1: Well, I think he mentions it a couple of times that, uh, in fact, he almost denies that they're even a clothing company. He says we're a community company. And so the collaboration aspect there, I think, is, you know, we want to build a community here. Everybody come and join. We'll do this together.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you think about what you just said and what they what they say in in the podcast itself i mean you overlay that onto the world we're in right now because you know a lot of press and something we've talked about on the daily and doing about people hoarding or people panic buying or things being empty that gives you a sense that you've got to look out for yourself and that gives you a sense that you've got to hide and hoard and everything else but really the other side of it is is this is bringing communities closer together in a kind of ironic way. Like, what would you sort of take away from listening to that and putting it into the context of now? Because obviously you recorded it a few weeks ago.
1: In fact, I was looking up Connor's LinkedIn as an example of something that I wanted to teach here at SAIT with regards to um, communications and community building. And I also wanted to use as an example to one of Undoing's clients. This is the way you do it. And I was hedging a bet that if i went to connor's linkedin feed i would see some samples of what community building looks like from a communication standpoint and sure enough he's got you know three or four posts over the weekend about it's time for us all to come together this isn't about sales or profit or us winning and you losing what can we do for you and That's where the community that he's pushing, I think really comes into play. He wasn't trying to sell clothing. He was trying to, he was authentically reaching out and said, if there's anything that we can do, you know, we're not a clothing company, we're community builders. We can connect you with this sort of that. He was targeting small businesses like him, but I think he was also speaking an attitude that he was hoping that we would all embrace. And that comes through the entire interview, which, as you say, was done only a few weeks ago, but it seems like a drastically different time. The background noise here is I'm, I'm doing it in the same place as I did Du Bois from Calgary Heritage Roasting Company a few weeks ago. So, in fact, I, I interviewed both Connor and um, Jamie and Mike on the same day in the basement of their coffee roastery. So so we still have the, uh, the shoveling or scooping of coffee beans into bags is the same ambiance that we had a few weeks ago. But uh, fast forward to middle of March 2020, and um, he's certainly practicing what he preaches.
3: My name is Connor Curran. I'm one of the co-owners of Local Laundry. Local Laundry is a Canadian clothing company that aims to build community in everything that we do.
1: That's really well put and very concise. <laughs> I thought you were going to go through the five pillars.
3: Oh, we could. It's usually when I introduce myself Maybe we just stick with that, and then people. Yeah. say, Well, build community. What does that even mean? I said, well, <sighs> then we walked through our five pillars.
1: I'm. Uh, I'm such a big fan of where you're going with this. The story of it. Um, and I have been educated as to how it came about, but you know, assuming that not everybody listens to every podcast on the planet, <laughs> and that we're trying to um, to get people to listen to ours, give us a thumbnail sketch of, um, of local laundry, where, the backstory.
3: Backstory. Okay, so how it got started. Um, it started in 2015. Uh, I got laid off from oil and gas, so um, I did what anyone would do when they got laid off. I, I went with my wife and we moved to Sweden. And I was studying abroad in Sweden doing my masters there. And I, I realized that, you know, oil and gas wasn't for me, I wasn't the right fit. Um, I really wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to create something that I could grow, that I could manage, but also could have a little bit of a purpose, could give back. So I was really I was really kind of fascinated with the idea that something that can you know, grow on your own, you know, low overhead, something you can grow on your laptop, but also have a social purpose, you know, and, and give back to the community, build community in some capacity. Where did that come from? You know, I think it's, uh, I hate to say it, but I think it's just like it's just classic millennial thinking. You know, I think in today's world, you, you can't start a business and not give back. You know, uh, I, 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 there's just been all sorts of research. Uh, I did my honors uh, undergrad thesis on corporate social responsibility and how it affects corporate finance. Um and then I did my master's thesis on the five stages of small business growth and how corporate social responsibility affects that. And, and I just I just saw this this it was just a new way of doing business. You know, it, businesses can't be about all about generating as much profit uh, anymore. You got to have the triple bottom line. You know, people, profit, and planet. Um, and so it was just kind of built in right right from the very get go. You know, and it, it's definitely evolved and grown since then. When we first started, it was like, well, stoning a dollar for every shirt back to a uh, different, uh, different community. And, you know, we were only selling like one or two shirts a month. So I felt like a little bit of an idiot just, uh, just donating a buck or two at a time. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to donate 10% of our profits that evolved into donating ten percent of our profits and we'd wait until it was just a substantial bit of money and then you know we would engage with our customers, you know, how do you want us to donate? Where where would you want to donate? We were so fixated we thought that we had to have one specific cause. We thought we had to hitch hitch our business to a specific cause, you know, like Tree. You know, they're a fantastic uh, Canadian company that for every piece that they sell they plant ten trees. That's the name Tentree. And we're like, we need an environmental charity or maybe it's a cancer research or kids or homeless and we were trying to pick and find our charity. And we realized, you know, there's not one charity that fits all. You know, a lot of different causes mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So why can't we work with as many as, as we can? And it was there that we kind of developed, you know, um, let's make it our 10-year goal, our big hairy goal, to donate a million dollars to local charities, period, across Canada. And so we've been kind of working on that ever since. So that's that's kind of, again, evolved from just – you know not just being solely a monetary you know impact um a couple of years ago we came out with the giving garments right um that for every toque that we sell we donate one to a homeless organization across canada to date, we've donated over 1500 tokes to um to, to charities uh, shelters across calgary edmonton toronto ottawa and that kind of thing um and that's been really great
1: what's that one million dollar contribution timeline. Yeah, um, you giving yourself a long runway for that, or are you holding yourself to something shorter?
2: Uh, yeah,
3: we're hoping within the next ten years. So, yeah, we've we've said it. You know, uh, we're we've about
1: fifty thousand dollars in.
3: We're hoping within the next ten years. That's that's the goal we can do. I, I
1: just heard in your podcast, um, Connor and Dustin do a, an excellent podcast <laughs> themselves. Which is telling their story and, and getting down to the bones of. The business as well, that you guys um, have now sold a million dollars worth of product.
3: Yeah, we've hit the we've hit the revenue mark of a million dollars, which is crazy. You know, I never would have thought... It's a lot
1: of sweatshirts. It's a lot of t-shirts, a lot of hoodies.
3: I never thought I was just trying to sell two or three t-shirts at a time. You know, that doesn't mean we have a million dollars in the bank. I think that's the biggest misconception. I thought if I would sell 000, 000 a million dollars worth of shirts, so I'd, <laughs> I'd have a little something more to show for it. But, something um, called cost of goods. And yeah, labor and you know those magic words you learn along the way. Um, so yeah, we we've hit the million dollar mark, and, and that's great. We we want to get grow to the point where we're doing that every year, you know, and donating ten percent of the profits on that every year back to local charities. Um, so we're growing, we're getting there. We're you know, I I definitely don't think it's going to take another four and a half years to get to the next million
1: mark. You know, yeah, we've we've skipped over some things um, <laughs> that, that sort of ended in Sweden and. And got onto the social enterprise portion, and um, you know, without getting into the um, selling your first T-shirt um, story and the naming of the company, everything else, which is really interesting too, um, I'm curious about your meeting with Dustin and how that came about, and yeah, the company birthed from that.
3: I, I really believe that in order to do really well, it's like that old saying, you know, you want to you want to go fast, go alone, if like you want to go far you know go go together um and i was i came back from sweden i got another job working in town and just got kind of got to the point we're selling a couple shirts here and there and i got to the point where you know like "Ah, is this something i really want to dedicate time to it's pulling time away from other things and i don't know this is it's kind of fun but and then dustin came along he was super excited about it he said this is a great thing i love what you're doing i'd love to get involved somehow and he was introduced through a friend of a friend we just sat down, had coffee, and, and kind of chatted, and, and uh, where I was at, where I wanted to go, and what he wanted, what he was doing, what he wanted to do, and we just we just clicked. Very different personalities, very different skill set. Never met him before. I was a little unsure. I had a few other business ventures with you know close friends that didn't didn't quite work out well. So I was very hesitant to bring someone else on to, you know, open my my baby up and let someone in. Um, so what I did and what I advise everyone to do, even if, even if you are very close with someone, is instead of, yeah, let's get in a business together. Here's a shareholders agreement and let's go. Uh, Dustin and I, we, we, uh, I, I drafted a three-month contract, right? So I want to do a trial basis. I said, let's work together for three months, one product only. He wanted to do hats. We weren't doing hats at the time. He said, let's do hats. We'll split everything down the middle. And if we work well together, we'll, we'll take it from there. We'll see what we can do. And Dustin, credit to him, he was an absolute workhorse, and he kind of reinvigorated, you know, my uh, my excitement about the the project all over again. And because we were strangers, he was he wanted to prove that he was someone worth dealing with, right? So he would try to work really hard, and then I would see that, and I said, "Well, I want to make sure this guy knows that I'm going to work just as hard. I don't want him thinking that I'm going to slack off." So I would try to outwork him, and he would try to outwork me, and together we just kind of grew and grew and grew. And the thing that Dustin and I. Um, the thing that makes us such good business partners is even though we're very different personality wise, skill set wise, we have the exact same vision. What we want the business to do and what we want uh, the business to do for us. You know, uh, f- for us, for the community, everything. You know, what we wanted to get out of it, what the impact that we wanted to have, and so because the, the the same values and vision aligned, nothing else matters. So, Dustin and I, we've never gotten into an argument. If he comes up with an idea and I come up with an idea. We pick the idea that's best for that vision. It's not about who has the best idea, who's the smartest, who's the, you know, best whatever. It's about what's going to get us to our personal goals and our business goals the quickest, right? Or the best way. And so, you know, Dustin needs a little bit more adept at the finance stuff. He uh, works full time right right now for ATB as an entrepreneur strategist. So, you know, they say to have a good relationship with your bank. Um, I kind of have the best relationship. And yeah, he's really kinda of helped turn it into a big boy company. And at the end of the day it's just it's just nice to have someone else there that, that cares, you know, that will pick up the slack if, if you need if you need or, you know, just a shoulder to cry on when you're stressing out and freaking out, or or it's someone to celebrate the wins with. You know, uh, I'm very blessed to have a great wife. She's very supportive, but you know she can only do so much in her capacity as a, as a partner.
1: She named the company, didn't she? <laughs> she did. So you've <laughs> done my homework. I listened to all three episodes. <laughs> proudly made in Canada.
3: Yeah, yeah. She came up with the company. Um, uh, she's a nurse. She's no marketing or business savvy, but uh, she came up with a name. she's Great account up with names. And uh, so now she, she takes credit for most of everything that we do. Um, but she's been very, very supportive. And, and, I th- and I think you also really need that, you know. I think uh, you need a partner that kind of that kind of buys in. Um, but, uh, yeah, I know Dustin really came along. And, and we've just been growing it ever since and, you know, figuring it out. Why clothing?
1: Um, <laughs> you know, you, um, you've you been quite clear with this that you had no interest, no vision, um, no passion for clothing. It, it, it sounds like Justin did not either. No. At the same time, I've heard you say that we could have done glassware or pottery. This was more about building something that supported the clothing than the clothing supporting something else. Yeah,
3: yeah. We wanted to build. I was, I was really interested. I wanted something that I could grow. I wanted something, like I said, that I could work from my laptop or my phone and, and build that way. And I wanted something that could you know give back. And So I started looking at all the different things I could offer that. And I was most uh, inspired and impressed by a young fellow by the name of Alex McLean who started East Coast Lifestyle. Right. Uh, so he, I went to school out in Nova Scotia. He went to to school out in Nova Scotia, and he built this entire brand, kind of just out the back of his car and on his phone. And and I was really impressed that he was able to, you know, build a brand identity out of uh, a regional place, you know, out of a region, it, it, taking an existing pride that was has always been there, that's been there for generations, and turning it into a, a brand and a powerful brand. So I thought I wanted to do something something kind of similar in the same vein, and and. Um, Doing my research, I, I, I discovered that you could start a cold me pretty easily. I, the, the, big, the other big thing for me is I didn't want any capital costs. My parents have been quite successful with their business. Um, they're you know both left school sixteen, immigrated here from Ireland. They uh, run a very successful Irish pub downtown, um, and so they've always been successful. But I never wanted to do anything that required me asking them for money. I never. I, I really kind of wanted to build something on my own merit, on my own. Um, you know, I never, wanted to be, I never wanted an asterisk by my success with the company's success. That Like, yeah, they were successful because, you know, mommy and daddy gave them, gave them a loan. Um, that was always something that kind of played in, in my psyche. So also being very risk averse and being a poor student in Sweden, I didn't want to ask for money, but I also had no money. So I wanted to build something. Um, I'm very, very risk averse. I, I spent majority of like 2010, 11 trying to build an app, which cost me a lot of money because every idiot in 2010 tried to, had a great idea for an app. What was your app for? Oh, man, it was so silly. It uh, it's called Barstar. I was so... I hated... I used to be quite a big drinker. I don't drink anymore. It's been two years since I had a drink, but I used to be a big drinker, a big party animal, and I used to hate the idea we'd leave a party early to go to the bar and then wait in line for 40 minutes and uh, before to could go into the, the bar. I was like, well, why did we leave the party? We could have just stayed there and drank there. So I wanted to create an app that you could see how big the lineup was.
1: Or maybe that your phone would vibrate when it was your turn to come in. So sort of yeah. like with the handout at the at Yeah, the bars at, and at the bars, yeah.
3: I just I just didn't wanna wait in line, especially yeah. when it's like minus thirty out. You know, there goes your buzz. Um, just to get into some place that you know, you didn't even know if it was good or not. So I was like, Oh, I have this great idea for an app. So I spent loads of money trying to develop that and I was like, you know what, if I ever start a business again, I'm not gonna spend I'm going to build something that I don't have to spend a lot of money on. But
1: well, you can see there's a need there, right? Yeah. That's the entrepreneurial instinct. There's a there's a problem to be solved. Yeah. Almost even more so than there is with clothing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's 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 a missing there. Yeah. And and that cost you too much or for whatever reason you turned your back on that and went into into clothing in, in which you had little passion, but you went at it it sounds like from a more pragmatic well, there was Sorry, there was something there's, missing. There's some boxes that we need to check.
3: The, there was something missing when I when I came about it because everyone in Sweden asked me where I was from. I'd say Canada, and everyone we were traveling, you know, they say, "Wow, well, I love Canada," but then they ask where in Canada. I'd say Calgary. No one ever heard of Calgary, right? All, all the way over there. So I wanted something that represented Calgary, but I wanted something that I would be comfortable wearing, right? Because you see all those silly tourist things that you know are in the gift shops. They're all made in China. They're like in high heart Canada or. Cartoon moose in an RCMP uniform. I was like, I don't want any of that. I, I want something that really represents Calgary as a Calgarian, not I just went and visited this place. Here's a unique souvenir here. And so it was right around the time of the 2013 floods. So it was just after, so it was 2014, and what happened in 2013 floods, it was the first time that social media was really used to kind of help people, right, to get the word out, hey, I need you know a bunch of people to come help me clean out my basement, or here's how you can volunteer, here's how you can support, and every hashtag that was used, there was not hashtag Calgary floods, it was hashtag YYC floods, that's when the hashtag YYC and people started to know Calgary for YYC, um, so I kind of took that and kind of put it on a shirt, no one had done it, uh, put it on clothing before. And I actually thought when I first started, I wanted the different, I, I wanted to go deeper and I wanted to do the different communities of Calgary. Calgary has a great community pride. And I thought t-shirts with the different communities would actually do really well. Inglewood, Forest Lawn, Kensington, people are so proud of where they live. That didn't catch on. And I kind of just put the YYC as kind of an afterthought and i didn't spend much time focusing on it but
1: that i see that in your future though yeah <laughs> because we do have they're all little brands yeah right they all have their own identities yeah and there's probably a, a, a line in there somewhere there, there, Uncle
3: there is we get a few requests every now and then we've done some community association shirts you know but but the thing is is people aren't loyal to to one community over another as they are with calgary you know you grow up in varsity and then you you know go to university maybe over somewhere else or close to to, to ufc and you live in varsity and then you get your first house in bankview and then you move into Martel loop with your you know spouse and, and then it's So people aren't as tight but it's all calgary right? are you it's born th- and raised uh we moved here when i was five okay so I, I did most of my growing up here. Because
1: I've always found that there is, maybe not an allegiance to neighborhoods, but you're either a northwestern <laughs> yeah, or a <laughs> southeastern yeah. or a northeast, heaven we. forbid, northeastern and yeah, you're in yeah. trouble, and southwest, and so on. But that's, um,
3: people like the idea, but they don't want to spend money on it. Yeah. That's what I found, yeah. and I'm happy to be proven wrong, but um, it is just people were more proud to, to wear yeah. the YYC. And, and it's one thing that we've learned, because we thought we did so great with the YYC, let's come out with Y-E-G, did YQL for Lethbridge, YQF. And what we realized is we didn't want to be in the game of selling very niche products to very niche populations, you know, um, because we are, all of a sudden when we came out with YQF, Y-E-G, our, our SKUs, our inventory just ballooned, yeah. right? Because we had all this inventory that we can only sell to a very specific population. So we've all, we'll always have the YYC. It's done phenomenal for us. But then we started expanding to like the Canada line. Like let's let's be proud as Canadians, and that's a product that we can sell across Canada, right? And there's a lot of Canadian pride to be had. And then you know let's have some more local laundry-based stuff, and let's get away from that, that that community. Because then what we started to see was loads of people, you know, kind of caught on. Oh, airport codes. Let's let's come up with a, a clothing company. Just do all the airport codes in Canada. And the design and the airport code is only one aspect of what really makes local laundry and how we build community. You know, um, it was all the other pillars of our community that that were that were so important to us that was really having that impact. So the design, you know, is just one element. We thought, you know, this is not going to be our be all end all. Let's, you know.
1: And I, I do want to get to those to those pillars. Um, and I've, I promised you a short meeting here, although I, I feel like. Um, I'm going to subscribe to your podcast and maybe just continue to inform myself as you guys go along with that. But oh. what now that you're five years in or almost five years in, um, how do you identify yourself as as a company, as an entrepreneur, as a business? What, what comes first, clothing or community?
3: A community where we're people that we don't we're not a clothing company we, we don't sell clothes we build community and, we, and clothing is just the vehicle you know and I'm, through this journey we've kind of learned how powerful a vehicle clothing can be it's 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 a form of expression there's a lot of intention in how we dress it's tangible <laughs> yeah it's tangible that's that's a really good point i never thought of it it's something that when you say let's build community you know, community is not something that you can touch and feel and hold in your hand but but clothing is and i've been i've had my own kind of you know journey into and, and, and clothing and, and fashion as, as you so call it um, and it's, it's something that's really near and dear to people's hearts even even you know the the guy that only buys clothes once a year at Costco you know and and um, it doesn't think too much about what he wears every day there's still intent in, in how people dress and I think now more so than ever because when we switch made the switch to Canadian made people feel really good about wearing a piece of clothing uh, that is canadian made it's kind of like a, a badge of honor and um yeah so even though we build community it's and it's done through clothing clothing has now become a huge huge part of that and and i, I love it like me my per, me personally um when we when we made the switch to canadian made, i started to take a look back and like you know it's really hard to get canadian manufacturers why is that because nothing is made here I started looking like, what else is made in Canada? I, took, I couldn't find anything.
1: There's no demand to drive the supply.
3: No, yeah. In, in the 80s and 90s, all of our manufacturing just, just went overseas. Did you know prior to, like, 1980 or 1990, 70% of all clothing consumed in Canada was made here in Canada, which blows my mind. And now, you know, I don't even know what the percentage is, but I guarantee it's less than 2 3% of all clothing consumed in Canada is made here. And it just start, made me realize, you know, where where's this made where's this made where's that made and so i made a decision that i was not going to buy any more clothes personally unless it was made in canada unless it was secondhand or made in canada and so my closet has just shrunk and i don't buy clothes anymore i mean i get most of my clothes for free in the form of Local laundry sweaters and t-shirts but you know even little things like these glasses these were handmade by um these uh crafters in toronto
1: they're awesome glasses thank you
3: <laughs> thank you and of course and like my boots are done by alberta boot you know and, and my belt is done by this great leather company called populous down in lethbridge and, you, and slowly you know i'm building this wardrobe that Each piece is a little bit more expensive, but it's going to last me 5, 10, 15 years. They're all versatile. They all can kind of work with each other. And I don't have to to buy as much, you know. So even this whole thing has led me down my own personal journey of, you know, discovering and and just reading labels. And I always encourage people just, you know, I'm not telling you to stop buying it, it. everything you know from walmart or amazon because we all buy there we all shop I there. i'm feeling a little
1: guilty sitting here and what i'm <laughs> no i'm not trying to make anyone <laughs> feel bad
3: all i'm trying to do is 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 whatever you're buying just just see where it's made yeah you know um because it, it has an impact you know it's, it's not up to the companies to change it's up to us you and me we've got to vote with our wallet right yeah. if we want to see change that's the only way things are going to change it's up to the consumer
1: and that was a a costly but intentional decision, um, strategic decision in, in any number of ways, from a profit standpoint, from a brand standpoint, it actually is one of your pillars, right? Yep. Canadian made. Yeah. Um, and it was that, a hard decision
3: because because of the price right? We were making $60 sweaters, which already a lot of, you know, Calgarians, uh, as much money as there is or or was, uh, we're still very much a blue collar city. You know, we're not a fashion forward city. Um, $60 is still a lot to spend on a neck. Toronto, $60 is your discount brand. And you charge $60. But here, it was still a lot of money and to go from $80. And we just raised the prices again to $90 a sweater. That's a lot of money for people. We were terrified. But The thing we realized is that you know, if we're going to discount these sweaters, we're not discounting just our brand and our sweaters. We're going to be discounting Canadian manufacturing as a whole. There's a reason that the price is so different, right? It's because you're paying Canadian workers a living wage, benefits, companies that are adhering to Canadian tax laws, Canadian environmental laws, labor laws. You know, that's the reason it's so expensive, and that's what we've got to get out. What we've got to share is when you buy a five dollar t-shirt from Old Navy, sure there's not much of a financial cost but there's a human cost to that and what is that human cost that five dollar t-shirt you know what i mean
1: you're equating the word community with the word economy (laughs) i mean it's uh, one feeds the other absolutely um, when you look at it that way and it's just totally on brand so the sacrifice that you thought you would make in terms of reduced sales did that has that transpired? No,
3: no. More people are buying now. And what's nice is because people want, there are so many consumers out there that want to support Canadian made. They just don't have those options. And they see the value because just because you're local or Canadian made does not mean you get a pass, right? People shouldn't support local just for the sake of supporting local. They should be supporting local because it's a better product, right? The quality's better. It's going to last longer. coffee, it's going to taste better, right? So our quality went through the roof. So when we stopped using overseas manufacturers and switched to Canadian manufacturers, our quality like went up tenfold. And so people see the value in that. And they want to spend more. No one wants to spend $60 on a crew neck and then have it disintegrate a year later. They want something that can, can last. My wife's, I always say my wife's favorite sweater in the world is her dad's Roots sweater from the 70s, back when Roots used to make things here. They, they manufactured out of Stanfields in Nova Scotia, all their sweaters. And it's, there's not a hole in it, it's soft as sin. And it's my, my wife, every time she goes home, she pops it on, right? That's yeah. what we want to create. We want people wearing our sweaters in 30, 40 years you know that, that it got handed down
1: and i love that and i'm sure anyone listening is going to love that and just resonate with it but how do you stay on this track and not defer to the track that people like roots go on to yeah i mean you start like the, this organic growth through a model that you described sounds utopian yeah um are we on to something real here as a community as a as a municipal or global community where we are starting to reject mass and embrace something more closer to the heart, do you think?
3: Um, I, I really think I envision the world is going to be twofold. You know, um, The way that things are going like Amazon and, and Walmart, you know, People, first of all, are making less money now more than ever. The dollar's not going as far as it used to. So people got to stretch a dollar, which I get that. You know, um, if they can buy something on Amazon and it costs them five bucks, as compared to going to a shop and it's going to cost them ten bucks, they're going to go to Amazon. Free two day shipping right through the door. We can't, we can't stop that. But at the same time, there's I also think there's a growing need that, and people wanting to support local and wanting to support diversification, want to get back to that, that knowing the people behind their brands. You know, so I think for certain things like everyday household items, you know, um, we're always going to have Walmart and Amazon. But for everything else, I really think that people, you know, people like coming to this coffee shop because they know the two owners, they got they know the story behind it, and people are always. They, they, that there's that need that they want to support that, right? And I think when it comes to like clothing like ours, you know, um, because people have less money, they can't afford not to buy quality, right? If they're buying a twenty dollars shirt, five dollars shirt every couple of weeks, over the course of the year, they're going to be out a lot of a lot more money than if they just yeah. spend a little bit more at the at the beginning, right? So I, I think I I really think it's 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 going to be twofold, but we're we're seeing a big resurgence now when people want to support Canadian made, and like I said before, it's not up to the companies it's up to you and me as consumers to drive that demand yeah. and it's not going to happen unless you and I are buying our coffees in, in, in local coffee shops drinking you know it, I always think of it uh, uh, like beer right the craft beer scene in Alberta has exploded and, and even similar with, uh, with Alberta beef right we're so proud of the fact of Alberta beef if a restaurant came in and was offering five dollar steaks from China there's no way you would eat that you'd be like even though it's five bucks you're like where's that from how is that made I'm not buying that. Give me Alberta beef. So I think I think there's there there's always been that demand. I think it's 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 just going to be growing and growing as as people start to get a little bit more cautious, you know. Um, so I always just say check your labels, read where things come from, and and know what the impact is, know what the, you know, the what the true cost of it is, not just the financial cost. What is the human cost of the things that you're supporting?
1: We've um, jumped over a couple of things I wanted to ask you, and we're getting close to uh, the time that I promised i would take <laughs> um. And I want to hear the five principles or the five pillars. Yeah, you, you've kind of you've alluded, I think, to all of them. But why don't I, I would like to give you the floor to state them because I think expressed by you would be the best.
3: Yeah, yeah, perfect. So the five pillars of local honoree, uh, five pillars of community of local honorees. Uh, we donate ten percent of our profits back to local charities that our customers help choose. We share stories from the community, so people that are doing cool things from businesses, nonprofits, artists. We want to tell their story through our platform or our website, social media, guest blogs, that kind of thing. Your podcast, podcast, yeah. Want to highlight other Canadian made brands, people that are going that extra mile. Uh, The third is by working with those, those people that we. uh that, that we align with uh, uh, that align with our brand values. You know whether it's coming up with custom gear or doing collaboration to, to raise money for charity or even just helping each other, helping each other grow. Uh, our, our fourth is by representing where you come from. Whether it's YYC or, or Calgary, we want people to be proud of where they come from, and we want to give them an, a, a way to express that that pride. And fifth, and our final, and our most newest pillar is we want to support Canadian manufacturing only. We want to support a diversified Canadian economy and that's only going to be done through supporting Canadian-made clothing. So all our socks, towels, bags, toques, hats, t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, all Canadian-made. Uh,
1: your um, your community uh, pillar is sort of the, the foundational pillar under them all. I mean, yeah, I, I've read and heard about Some of the events you have right here in this building, or have had in this building. Yep,
3: So we have Um, our Startup and Beers event, where we have all these other community builders that we like to call people that want to have an impact. We get them together. It's how can we help each other grow? What are you working on? This is what I can offer. This is what I have a problem with.
1: It is a very multi-dimensional word that I think... um, has had the tendency to be overused but um, certainly local laundry is is milking it to its fullest <laughs> all different variations of it yeah and it's a meeting place it's collaboration it's giving back yeah
3: it's sharing stories it's and Canadian and,
1: made all of these things are sort of foundational
3: yeah and it's 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 all under the guise of, you know we're just trying to create that positive impact there's lots of other incredible people trying to do the same let's help each other you know and let's you know let's Let's do something.
1: How would you like local laundry to be um, to be spoken of in five years? What would you like to have? What words would you like to be associated with local laundry? five years out it's something that we think about a lot I think when
3: when people think of the word local owner I want people to think you know what they are heralds of Canadian manufacturing they're heralds of a diverse Canadian economy they are the epitome of bringing people together and and building community whether that's donating you know supporting other entrepreneurs positive impact uh, community impactors um, they are just the epitome of community right and um, yeah I, I want people to think you know I want people. I want Canadian-made clothing to be to be the norm in five, ten years. That it's just a no-brainer. Why would I shop at H and M? You know, thank goodness Forever 21's going out of sale. Is Roots made in Canada? I'm not sure. I should take a look. And when they think of you know, well, who is made in Canada? I want local laundry to come up every single time. We'll end there. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> thank you. Great the, to meet. The you. The ramblings of a madman.
0: Tyler Curran co-founder of Local Laundry, recorded in the basement of Calgary Heritage Roasting Company in December. And we live in a very different world today than we did then. But if you want to help people like Connor and carry the torch in Calgary, go to LinkedIn, visit locallaundry.ca. And perhaps most important at a time where Calgary's economy is taking a beating yet again, do what you can to support local. Thanks for making us your background noise. Stay healthy.
2: That means a lot.